two. One. Oh. Hey, this is Drew here with my little sister, Ashley. Hello. And Derek is hiding out somewhere. Check your attics. Oh, great. <laughs> Everyone. <laughs> Meanwhile, you are listening to New Release, a movie podcast with the time-traveling holiday twist, episode 142 overall. Yeah. (laughs) But number three in our Killer Christmas miniseries. This is where we watch Christmas movies with killers. Is that a good way to describe it? Yeah, perfect. (laughs) I just reversed the the two words there. Yep. (laughs) Uh, well ashley when the heck are we this week well much to the discomfort of everyone here we are spanning five decades of christmas horror in one airtight episode from 1974 to 2019 wow (laughs) please fasten your lap belt securely and keep all limbs you wish not to lose close to the vest as you hop aboard this wonderful bloody sleigh ride Mm, okay hopping aboard (laughs) Can't wait. Hopping aboard. Here we go. Look! Get us the blazes out of here! Turn the sled around! Was that uh, Back to the Future, Final Destination, or Polar Express pop quiz? Um, all of them in one. Yeah. I don't know. It's a hybrid. <laughs> it's a melon. It's a. I don't know. That was a little audio from our Polar Express journey. Um, do you know they do these immersive, like Polar Express Christmas experiences? No. Are yeah. they in Portland by chance? Probably. Uh, good question. I didn't. I just saw a lot of clips on YouTube of people filming there, like the the people on the train, the employees or performers sing and dance, and then there's a light show, and it's this whole this whole thing. I was just trying to find a clip from the movie, <laughs> <laughs> and I mostly found people filming their Polar Express <laughs> adventure that uh, journeys. Awesome. Yeah, I would do that. It's like uh, kind of cheesy, but one of those things that looks like it's actually fun if you give it a chance. But it's not like a Murder Express. If it was like a Polar Express with murder, that'd be better. But that's yes, movie. there is a Midnight Meat Train for that. There's another Killer <laughs> Train movie true. with Jamie Lee Curtis. None of those are the movies we're watching this week, though. Actually, what is showing in new release uh, Christmas Land Theater World this week? Well, I'll describe but one of the posters to you. Um, it is this woman sitting in a, ch- a rocking chair, it looks like, with a plastic bag over her head, dying. Or maybe she's already dead. And it says, huh. if this picture doesn't make your skin crawl, it's on too tight. Wow. Um, and then it just says, Black Christmas. And then there's a couple other ones, which are more modern day versions. That one's from 1974. There's one from 2006 or 2009. Um, 2006. So it says this holiday season, the sleigh ride begins. Mm. And that's also Black Christmas. And then there's another one more recent um, that looks a lot more modern. So that's 2000. It's the last one. 19. 2019. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. so we have a whole range of like 
movie styles and we're gonna probably gonna focus the most on the 1974 original one um you know remakes aren't always the best (laughs) um way to experience (laughs) a story but i do think is since this podcast is all about time travel it will be kind of interesting to compare which changed aesthetically superficially with the same story uh over five decades of time (laughs) so a lot has changed it turns out but maybe what was there in the original was the best all along we will see here's maybe the preview Remember those idyllic scenes out of your childhood? Crisp winter nights, sleigh bells, crackling yule logs. Remember those. Remember them well. After Black Christmas, they'll never be the same again. Black Christmas. Yeah, someone says change. That was actually a radio ad for the the movie. (laughs) Well, that's Black Christmas 1974. Let's start there, Ashley. This movie is um, comes out four years before Halloween. It comes out before Texas Chainsaw Massacre. It comes out before, obviously, all the 80s slasher movies. So mm-hmm. I'm going to guess that well, you might have felt it was a little slow. But the vibe of it and the kind of like um, all the, the tropes and, and horror things that it introduce, introduces back in the early 70s or mid 70s were pretty uh, groundbreaking. Not to mention, it just pissed a lot of people off because it was set at Christmas. It's not even like a killer Santa or anything, but Mm -hmm. it's just a sacred religious holiday and people don't like, um, didn't used to like mixing that (laughs) with bloodshed. So all of that said, I don't want to be too presumptuous. What did did you think? I actually didn't think it was too slow. I really liked it. Awesome. Yeah. Um, I actually thought the pace like added to it. Yeah. The kills themselves were like really creative and interesting, but they weren't too gory, which I liked. Like right. you didn't need to show so much gore to like accomplish what you're trying to show, to portray. Um, I really liked the sorority sisters. I thought they were cool, like all their different personalities. Um, I thought it was great. I don't know. I didn't know what to expect because it's obviously from so long ago, but I thought it was done really well. And it obviously reminded me of all these other movies that came out after it, but right, I didn't realize watching it. I was like, oh wow, this really set the stage for all the other ones. Yeah, I, I mean, even from the opening shot. So I th- think the easiest thing to compare it to is Halloween. And yeah. the opening shot is like a point of view um, from the killer's perspective. And you're watching them like look at the house. Um, and then you watch them like uh, climb the scaffolding or climb like the exterior of the house to get into the attic space. You just see all this like um, it's very s- slow and methodical uh in terms of the killer's movements in the camera too the camera like slowly pans across the um, walls and you know slowly pans to the door to the attic or like you know you keep waiting for something to come out or the door to open so there's a lot of tension there and then you kind of cut to the sorority sisters that are um these are all female leads in the movie there's some cops and and and, and whatnot but like the main characters that you're invested in are the the girls in the sorority and Halloween gets a lot of credit for the teenagers talking like real teenagers, talking about boys, talking about like, mm-hmm. you know, like not um, uh, cliches, like being uh, having like 
um you know one's a drunk one one's like a more ambitious one there's like a a few yeah there's some broad strokes a little bit but like they are immediately you immediately feel like these are real people Mm -hmm. yep so that's a i feel like that's a big accomplishment right there it's huge accomplishment and i never thought it was like cheesy it didn't feel like a cheesy movie to me like a cheesy horror slasher which i liked yep i don't know i just was really impressed by it surprisingly i didn't know what i was getting myself into but i really liked it yeah i was looking for the name of the the one so what's so disturbing i mean there's a lot of things that are disturbing about this (laughs) this movie um phone calls yeah the phone calls are this was kind of a it's become a horror movie trope you know the that uh the killer is calling the victims and the killer is calling the victims from maybe somewhere inside the house <laughs> especially close to home exactly mm-hmm. but there was also this whole thing i guess in the 70s and 80s where everyone was getting obscene phone calls oh like you see it in movies i don't i don't yeah. we didn't really live through that um time in society but i think it was a pretty common mm-hmm. prank basically i mean i don't think most of them ended like this Right. It was more just creepy perverts like would, that would express their energy now on, on the internet or Reddit or something were just calling up people in the phone book and talking oh, dirty to them. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I, let's play a little bit of one of these phone calls because they're not just Ugh. like, it's not what you would expect. It's like a schizophrenic, like multi-voice. Um, it's very terrifying. Uh, yeah. Experience. So um, let's see if I got one here. Yeah. <laughs> expanded his act could that be one person no claire that's the mormon tabernacle choir doing their annual obscene phone call I'll stop it right there. And that and that sounds like the exorcist, like the voice from the exorcist. Yeah. It 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 <laughs> like um quickly shifts between just like sounds of uh, someone being strangled or mm-hmm. tortured or something, and then they'll go into actual speech and they'll go into really vulgar um sexualized talk. Yep. And they'll the one character that you heard making light of the situation in that, uh Barbara is like she's the the one that's always drunk in the movie she's and favorite. yeah she's awesome um argo <laughs> kidder plays her and she's just kind of like cavalier about it but seems like if it hadn't been for the circumstances of this movie that would have been a reasonable response or like a well a way to cope with it um mm-hmm. unfortunately it kind of backfires it wouldn't have mattered yeah. probably what she said anyway no, no, no. He already had his targets in mind. So yeah, yeah. I mean, like, if you work <laughs> back from something like Scream, where that's like a really clever, well written, um, and well executed scene where the ghost face killer is calling Drew Barrymore, and and eventually you realize, like, um, she's already he's already killed her boyfriend. Yeah. Um, but like, that killer is coherent. There's nothing deranged there about that killer this is just like so unsettling and so i don't even know i I wish i knew more about how they kind of wrote 
and performed those scenes because Mm -hmm. the movie, like the danger kind of hinges for the characters on those calls and they're really effective. Yeah. And then every time he makes a phone call, someone dies. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, and they threaten, I mean, the, the, the caller threatens them, you know, especially Mm -hmm. once, like once they start (laughs) talking back to him, he's like, I'm going to kill you for that. So, (laughs) and he does. Um, Uh But like you said, the movie doesn't need to focus on gore and really elaborate slasher kills. It does have one with a a hook that I thought was pretty clever. Oh, with their um, house mom? Yeah. Yeah, she gets like, she's uh, uh, climbing up in the attic. There's always a a cat in the sorority house of all all three of the Black Christmas movies that Mm -hmm. the killer... I don't think the killer really uses the cat. It just works out conveniently that the cat is, I mean, maybe he does in this one. He takes them upstairs to lure them. Yeah. If the, if the sound is actually coming up there from up there, then uh, she's like peeking into the attic and then turns around and a hook hits her in the face. And this pulley system like pulls her from the the steps yeah. up to the attic. I thought that was like very well done. Mm-hmm. Yeah, That was wild. I was um, like, Oh, and then there's the plastic bag kills, which isn't a weapon you would necessarily expect. Just like um, shoving or, you know, um, sealing up a clear bag over someone's head. And then you can see their face and you can see them trying to breathe. I mean, yeah, it's really seen in other movies, but scare. yeah. So, I mean, all, all of it is is really well done. The what I couldn't remember, I hadn't seen this for a while, was at what point we realize the killer is um, in the house, which is immediate because we see him climbing up the the scaffolding. Mm -hmm. Um, But do you, since this was your first time watching it, right? Yep. When did you think that they were, the killer was the person calling was the person in the attic until later? Or I mean like from the beginning or when did you, when did you make that connection? Yeah. I didn't know they were in the attic until halfway through the movie, at least. I mean, I knew he was like there, but I was like, well, maybe he goes somewhere to call. Like, I didn't know he's from calling from within the house. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, that is a, a genuine twist. There's like the boyfriend of the main character, Jess, mm-hmm. um, Pe- Petra or Peter, <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, Peter ish is his name. And then uh, they have what's so one thing that is really progressive about this movie from the 1970s is. The main character um, is in a fight with her boyfriend throughout the movie mm-hmm. about um, she's pregnant and she still has a lot of personal ambition and things she wants to accomplish. And she goes to him uh, with her decision made up that yeah, basically she telling is... him she doesn't want it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. She's like, I'm going to have an abortion. It's not a group decision. It's my mm-hmm. decision. And he has a completely um, irrational. I mean, it, it, at first it's a little bit like there's a reading maybe where you could say that he, he is, uh, it's okay for him to be upset about it, mm-hmm. but then he just goes into complete yeah. controlling mode. And I wrote down one quote because I thought it was so um, damning for him. <laughs> oh, He's, he yells at her when she's telling him, her decision that mm-hmm. all you do is think about yourself 
And then in the next breath, he says, do you have any idea how important tonight is to me? Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> because he has a music recital. He's like a, a, um, a concert pianist in training. And he's, I mean, I don't know. What did you think of his, his character? He's a jerk. Yeah. So from like the, from the get, he just came off as kind of a jerk. And then was he part of like the church or something? And that's why he's like, I'm going to quit the, wasn't he like part of a covenant or like, wasn't there some type of he, religious? No, it's a conservatory, which oh, is just a I fancy word for art, <laughs> art oh, okay. uh, dorms or something. I think he was in a very intensive program where he said he had been like training and living at the conservatory for six years or something. He's maybe supposed to be older than her. Yeah, he looks, I mean, when I thought, I guess I, I misheard because I thought he was like working at the church and he like wasn't supposed to be that they're secretly dating and that that whole thing happened. And I don't know. <laughs> I just made up this whole story about him. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's like, it's the movie's really smart about these gender roles. So she was, mm-hmm. when they met, um, she tells this story about how he told her how important it, all he'd ever wanted to do was be a concert pianist. And he was probably neglecting their relationship um, on the, a regular basis to focus mm-hmm. on his very intensive um, training. And maybe she was okay with that because she was also <laughs> focusing on herself. But as soon as it's, I think maybe he knows in the back of his mind, he's not going to make it. And then, yeah, he gets this emotional news and responds horribly to it on the day that he has a big, you know, showcase performance. Which he watches. Yeah, in a very effective scene, like you see him sweating and it doesn't sound good, but it's kind of hard to tell how bad he's screwing it up. Yeah, I was like, they could have made it worse. I was like, this sounds fine. I don't know. I kept waiting for him to like really clearly miss a note. Yeah. Um, but anyway, <laughs> maybe it's, he it's missed cl- so many notes we didn't notice. We're like, oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, they do a lot of work with the sweat dripping down his face yeah. to, show, to show, and the response is tepid at best. Mm-hmm. And then he smashes the piano. <laughs> the piano. So <laughs> it's clear it didn't go well. And he goes back to her like multiple times throughout the movie and is begging her to just like basically go into family mode. Yeah. Um, so assuming he's a little older whether this had any impact on his his you know career or not he wasn't going to make it most likely so he was like settling for becoming a father (laughs) yeah and she was like no i'm i'm Mm -hmm. i was really um it was really admirable the way you dedicated your life to your your um artistic ambition i have my own ambitions that's uh, it's not to start a family right now um so deal with it (laughs) yeah and yeah. yeah, he doesn't deal with it very well. Um, no, but he's not well, the killer. No, and I never thought he was. He I might have I've... abused her, though. I mean, like would have before we yeah. get to the ending point. Yeah, and I thought that um, when you're talking about the calls coming from the house, I actually thought it was two killers at the beginning because I was like, okay, well, he's like in the attic, and then someone else is like his like assistant and like making the calls and stuff, and then he like kills them. Is what I thought was happening, and he kept mentioning Agnes, and I was like, I don't know this story, so I don't know, like, know who that person is. Like me, that's the other killer. So. I think we are getting much more subtly than the 2006 one, yeah, <laughs> which uses yeah. uh, these this horrible font and these title cards to say, um, okay, now we're in 1984, and yeah. and we're gonna see the alcoholic, we're gonna see Billy's alcoholic mother abusing him. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, or neglecting him and in this movie i think we get little snippets 
of the backstory yeah. without by him referencing you know um, stuff on the calls but it's it's basically incoherent i think it's just the right amount to make you mm-hmm. think about what his backstory would would be without really giving you anything to um to go on yeah <laughs> yeah the 2006 what? version was a little too much yeah i'm still trying to find so who is the woman um who was first uh the first victim do you remember her Claire? name yeah who are they looking for the whole the whole movie isn't it claire they go on the search for i think um, so let's just let's just go with that yeah claire um okay <laughs> I, I just thought what was so tragic about the movie is we see pretty early on we see claire get uh suffocated with the bag and then mm-hmm. drug up to the attic she's the one in the rocking chair um, Billy, the killer, kind of positions Claire maybe as a mother figure, maybe as a play, a a, a play, uh, thing or friend because he like rocks the chair and talks to her. Yeah, and we know the whole time as the audience that she's in the attic, but her dad shows up to town and and she they doesn't do a whole come. Search party. Yeah, it's like it's it's really yeah. sad. Yeah, because I mean we like that's the key to these movies is. You don't have to think the characters aren't flawed or you don't have to mm-hmm. think the characters are like good people. It doesn't matter. You just have to think they're real people. So you care yeah. a little bit about the emotional stakes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so. I, when you bring in the family and then before that, before they even like find her, they find like a kid in the park that was murdered and you're like, oh, yeah. And then everyone's just like, well, she's probably not alive. But where is she? Ugh. Yeah, exactly. They also you have to do a clever thing in in these movies, too, where in like a Halloween movie, maybe Mike Myers hides the, the body in the wardrobe and it, so it can pop out and be funny later. Um, <laughs> you can only get along, uh, uh, get away with having this um, serial killer on the loose mm-hmm. um, without like completely suspending disbelief without if, if people haven't found the bodies yet. So like, yeah, there's still some mystery in everyone's mind as to whether there's a real emergency or not. But then they do find the park, the the body in the park, um, and that escalates <laughs> this mm-hmm. the threat level for sure. Yeah, and it takes them a while because they they were like, oh well, she went to meet her dad. Like they thought she was already out of the house, and like it's hard to keep track of all those people in like one house. So it made for a really good story. I was like, oh no. They yeah they do the same thing in the 2006 one. We're going to compare and contrast these a little bit soon, um, so we can get we can get into that shortly. But what else should we talk about from from this original one? I like that they didn't really show him very much. Um, yeah, I don't show him at all. He, I mean, yeah, I mean besides like his hands and stuff, and that he didn't talk minus the recordings. I thought that was cool. Yeah. A nice touch. I hate it when the bad guys talk because then you're like, oh, it's not gonna be as scary or as good. Or if you see their face, like in 2006, you're like, mm-hmm. okay, this is whatever. I, I was exactly. I was thinking the same thing. So Halloween is interesting because they show Michael Myers as a boy, just kind mm-hmm. of they do the POV, but then you realize you're watching um, through the eyes of the kid because after the stabbing happens, you they the camera sh- shifts and you see that it was a little boy. So you're like, yeah, holy shit, a little kid is capable of that. So we know Michael Myers is past. We don't know any motives. We, they think they basically give you his clinical assessment as just like, um, pure evil. Yeah. (laughs) It's the medical term. Um, and in this movie, yeah, it's similar. You don't know, you get even less 
background info you just see uh, through his his eyes like um what's happening and you once you make the connection that he's the one doing the phone calls you can ascribe a little bit of i don't know like personality or schizophrenic tendencies you can get some mm-hmm. um visibility into his psyche but it's way scarier than needing to know how his parents or then knowing how his parents raised him and seeing him as a kid like this is just way scarier this way yeah i completely agree and but sometimes i like i mean i like like the backstory of serial killers and like those kind of movies that are just about the history and the making yeah but when you just put it on for like 10 minutes you're like okay that's ridiculous and that's a lot of information and i don't need it (laughs) so yeah it has to be has to be done well i was thinking Mm -hmm. of this in comparison to um barbarian where you are kind of thrown into one there's a misdirect we won't spoil that but yeah um, because we already talked about it on on the podcast if you want to listen to that episode but i was trying to think of counter examples to when you do know the backstory of the character and it comes way later in that you get like basically a flashback sequence Mm. um but it's also it's complicated because there's the backstory for one person, but there's also another barbarian yeah. monster in the movie. <laughs> so it, it it can be done if it's done in an original way, or it can be done like it is in the 2006 version. And it would just be like, okay, what's Terrible. the most cliche idea for what would happen to <laughs> a character like this um, to explain how he got to be the person in the original um and and also the way it opens on like the hospital scene and it's just oh I forgot yeah, about so that. cheesy that was not necessary none of that was necessary right yeah I, I I'm so glad you like this this is this is I, I'm not a horror historian and there's obviously Psycho is a, a milestone achievement there is um the Exorcist mm-hmm. uh, when when did the Exorcist come out 1973 so one year before this Psycho came out in 1960. Um, obviously you get to know a lot more about Norman Bates, um, Mm -hmm. and his, his backstory and mommy issues and psycho. Um, but all the Friday movies, the nightmare on Elm street movies, the Halloween movies, most importantly, because those are pretty highly regarded, especially the first one. Oh, huge. Um, uh, oh, a lot to this movie. Yeah. So, so and, and I was worried that maybe like, I, I agree that the pace, the kind of deliberate um, pace combined with, it's a pretty, what's the time period we're talking about here? How much time passes? Throughout the whole movie? Yeah. Like a couple of days. A couple of days. Yeah. Yeah. Like three. I mean, it's. Well, go on that whole search. Her dad comes in town. So probably like, yeah, three or four days. I mean, they go on that search in the same night. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah. let's just say two or three days and it's this limbo this creepy like limbo period between people would be going home for christmas or going off to you know their own vacations uh, and leaving school but they're still there i don't know the just the whole like christmas uh vibe at the the house lends a lot there were some cool shots i think at one point they were like panning across the the pictures on the wall and you can see the christmas lights Mm-hmm. reflected in the pictures uh it's it's just kind of 
by Christmas horror standards, it's probably the gold standard yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> by slasher movies in, in general um, and, and kind of this type of serial killer horror movies. It's it's right up there with all the, the big franchises. Mm-hmm. And I mean, we talked about this before, but I loved how they, they just kind of took their time. And so you get to know the characters and you're not just like rushed to be like, oh, they're going to be murdered. It's like, we'll just get to know them for like 30 minutes in the movie, which is pretty nice. Yeah. So it's like right off the bat, like 2006 was like, and that person's dead, like almost immediately. And you're like, okay. Let's um, let's play the trailer for the 2006 one. And then we'll talk about that one a little bit. Okay. Some people have expressed outrage. Is that Santa's reindeer? Over a Christmas movie that is this violent, this disturbing, and this raw. Our answer is... You haven't seen anything yet. Black Christmas. Rated R. Everywhere Christmas Day. It sounded like they were on a roller coaster for a second. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Yeah, I think we've already alluded to our thoughts here, but I mean, what what did you... Any bright spots from the the 2006 one? Mm. No? (laughs) Oh, I did have a question. Was the house yeah. mother, did, was she in the original? She had the short brown hair. She looked like that other girl that was in the original. Oh, good question. Um, she looked like one of the girls that died, with, like the two mangled bodies on the bed. She looked like that one with the short curly brown hair. But I didn't know if they were like, just trying to bring her back into the movie, even though she died in the first one. Or... That's a good anyway. question. Uh, yeah, I'm not I'm not sure. I'll, I'll get back to you on that. Okay. Um, besides that, they spent too much time trying to like develop the backstory, which I didn't like. And it just and his yes. sister was in this one. It was her. Yeah, Barbara. Yeah, uh, McHenry yes. is playing. Um, is in both of them. Yeah, the house mom. Yeah. So I liked that she was in it. Um, it's weird. She didn't really age. <laughs> yeah, she looks great. <laughs> That's crazy. Um. No, I like that she was in it. But yeah, I didn't care for like the two serial killers. Agnes was like a man, but a woman, but she had like yellow eyes. It was, she kind of looked like white, the characters that played white chicks. That's what Agnes looked like. Oh, wow. Yeah. Not ideal. Um, <laughs> yeah. Someone, well, like, yeah, a very kind of crude presentation of a, a trans person or something like that. Yeah. I don't really even think there's any intent or artfulness to if there's some gender commentary there so i'll i'll just skip over that yeah i think they were trying to one give us some backstory obviously um Mm -hmm. i don't think any of that worked and then because we already know the killer and we already know some of the twists they probably felt like they needed to tack on a second twist um a second killer a la scream all of these notes, um, from what I understand, coming uh, from Harvey Weinstein of the, line, uh, the <laughs> who was running Dimension Films, and mm. there might have been—I don't think it would have been a good movie—but it sounds like the creative team was like everyone that worked with him, um, not even getting into the um, sexual assaults and and, and rape um, yeah. uh, convictions. He was a nightmare to work with creatively. So he would he forced them to reshoot the ending. He um was really overly involved in casting 
Um, the director said he was trying to force him to cast all people from the OC. Um, but I guess they just settled on Buffy's sister, um, <laughs> yeah. um, who doesn't really do anything in the movie, sadly. Michelle yeah, Trachtenberg. I thought that's why I wanted to watch it because I thought she'd yeah. be more of like a leading role, and she's not. And uh, they had Lacey Chabert or whatever from Mean Girls too. Yep. Yeah, Fetch the, the Fetchman. Also, I just looked it up. So Agnes was played by a man. Well, me. I mean, again, I we don't have I I don't have enough information. Okay, that is interesting because I don't have enough information to evaluate whether that was maybe a progressive decision, mm-hmm. um, like yeah, like the know. new Hellraiser movie, um, mm-hmm. casting a, a trans person for that. Um, but that is, or if it was horribly insensitive. So I, I mean, I just yeah, can't I even can't even evaluate that. But that is that is interesting. Good good point. Mm-hmm. I was just kind of like, because I couldn't. I was just like, oh, this is interesting. Um, and I wasn't sure at first that they were trying to make that Agnes character, like, since it was like Billy's sister, sister but not sister, but daughter. Remember? Yeah, that's right. His mother. Yeah. They pretty much show uh, his mother raping Being him. Terrible. Yeah. Um, that's they, they went further with that scene than I definitely expected. She goes. So yeah. her her drunk. Terrible. Um husband or whatever this guy is to her can't or won't perform so she goes upstairs to where her son is and they kind Ugh. of they don't insinuate it. they anyway they they show happens a lot more than i expected also mm-hmm. this is a lot gorier than the original and then the one that comes out in 2019 is pg-13 so oh really um, yeah it's not even they're <laughs> trying to probably push pg-13 as far as they can but this one i don't know did you like any of the gore or it just felt like shallow it just felt shallow yeah i mean i liked the first one because it didn't have a ton of gore and like the plastic bag was was like his weapon of choice so right i was like oh, that's interesting and this one's just like just sharp objects just in the, the eyeball thing i was like i don't know why they're eating the eyeballs i just yeah. <laughs> i didn't quite get it i just i don't know we um I forgot to mention for the first one that uh, what did you think of the ending? Oh, I liked it. Oh, whoa, yeah. whoa, whoa, whoa. well, there's one thing I didn't like about it. Okay, I didn't like how they left her in the house. What? Yeah, that was it was, weird. It was a little confusing because she. So we find um the main character Jess is like hiding out in the basement because the killer is on. She escapes him temporarily, and then. Her boyfriend shows up and mm-hmm. breaks a window to get in. <laughs> to and he's her. like, like, this is where what I was talking about earlier, where yeah. if um she hadn't defended herself at that point, then he would have assaulted her. But the cops find her kind of like in a state of shock with him dead in her lap, right? Yeah, and she has like strangle marks on her neck, like bruising. Right. Okay, yeah. so he def- I mean, he had a they had a physical altercation. She defended herself, killed him. There's no doubt in their well, mind that she did anything wrong, right? No, but I thought that the I still thought the bad guy killed him and like put him mm. on her to make it look like she killed him. Like I feel like it's she possible. was like, we don't see unconscious, any... and then he, I don't think she killed him. Or Interesting. I didn't think she did. You know, the the only reason to leave it as ambiguous as they do with like us just cut like one the killer could have gotten in if he got in a window so mm-hmm. there's nothing stopping the killer from going down there and two they really do go out of their way to not show what happened so that we can yeah. has, ask these questions 
But then so, they clear out all the bodies and then they leave yep. her at the sorority house by herself. Well, it's an open shut. I mean, it's dumb, um, especially when we know. <laughs> the that the, the, well, yeah, there's that. And it, for them, it's an open shut case that he was the killer. Yeah. So they are they've the threat's been eliminated. Uh, he had motive. He was found. You know, he attacked her. He mm-hmm. she killed him. That's end of story. Uh, we obviously know that's not the end of the story. So yep. when you realize she's not like she's being tended to by doctors, but for a second, it, you could have thought maybe she was at a hospital or something, but no, right. she's just like in her bedroom um, in the house. And then they and all then, leave her. Yeah. They all leave her. And the movie ends exactly how it begins with um, just kind of like the exterior of the house, beautifully lit with Christmas lights, the credits rolling over it. And right before that exterior yes. shot, I guess, is when we see the attic door open or we see what the do we see? Rings. Oh, right. Yeah. The phone rings. So, yeah. The signal. So she's the phone's ringing to. over the credits. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Great cliffhanger. So not like so a cheesy good. one at all. Not no. like, you know, um, a blade rising or, or something. <laughs> like it's just thematically perfect. And we mm-hmm. don't know. Uh, what her fate is going to be if your theory is correct though i mean why did he not kill her because i think he wanted her to himself like i think he wanted to like make it look like because he hears all the conversations so he knew they were yeah like they were like fighting and stuff and so i also liked how he like recycled some of the content of what they were saying into the conversations of his messages that was cool yeah so the yeah there's that and there's like he is overhearing her conversations mm-hmm. with Billy, presume, or with um, Peter, presumably, Peter. so yeah. he can make him seem even more guilty because he's bringing up stuff to her that only he would know, only Peter yeah. would know. Exactly. Um, all so very, I, think he did I mean, it to frame her, and then he like, yeah, bought time, and then everyone left. And he's like, oh, she's all to like all to myself. I get her all to myself. Yeah, that makes sense. And also because everyone was showing and conver- showing up and converging on the house, this was the only way. If mm-hmm. he didn't do it on purpose, the, the only way to get the the heat off of them. Yeah. So do you think yeah, he killed her? That's a good her? theory. Um, I just honestly, I didn't even think about it. I just assumed she killed him, but it was so traumatizing that um, she killed Peter. That it was so traumatizing that she was in shock. Um, or I think he if went Peter to try strangled and, her. I think he that, might have gone to try to strangle her, and then maybe she passed out, and then he killed her or something. The yeah, Billy. He's he, well, but like so. Let's let's say like maybe Billy or Peter had the upper hand on her mm. um, because she's not a killer of yeah. non-killers. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, I guess once she's being assaulted, she has every reason to retaliate, but let's just say he was overpowering her and Billy mm. basically saved her um, yeah. for the time being. For that's the, a, yeah. That's a very interesting reading. Um, the 2006 <laughs> version, on the other hand, oh ends with something I slept through, but, um reading the wikipedia page there's like a big hospital like it's a big hospital scene yeah they keep like coming after her they ended up like so billy and agnes end up in like body bags because they think they're dead but they're both of them aren't dead so they come out of the body bags kill some people go after the main girl then billy falls and he's pushed into like this giant like tree spear and he dies and then his (laughs) sister gets electrocuted it's just a whole it's so much it's too much yeah, I think they wanted to leave off like um, well earlier than that, and you know we probably pay some homage to the ambiguity in the first one. I it's hard for me to 
give the makers of this too much benefit of the doubt, but it is well documented that the ending was tampered with. So, oh, really? Yeah. Well, just like that was one of the big things that they were forced to oh. reshoot by by Weinstein was the the ending. Oh, well, it was terrible. So, and and he he basically mandated that there be a second killer. So mm. all of, I mean, the the movies stylistically wouldn't work anyway <laughs> because yeah. of the tone that it's going for. Mm-hmm. But some of the worst plot, the some of the worst plot decisions were maybe not the ones that the intended. creators would have been would have intended. Yeah. Well, the first one's just so good. Just leave it alone. It is. Um. So speaking of, we'll just it leave again. it alone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thirteen years later, and only three years, um, uh, ago in present timeline. They made uh, a we uh, a, a female creative team. Um, we the male, writer, woman, female. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not no um no Freudian slip there. Uh, Sophia uh, Tikal and April Wolf um, co-wrote it, and Sophia directed this 2019 one. And it was meant to be unapologetically. This is like height of Me Too, height mm-hmm. of um you know. Um, listen, uh, listen to me. <laughs> Height of uh, he said, she said, kind of discourse. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, that they were like the whole reason they were interested in making the film was to kind of use this uh, story because it was it was inherent to the original movie as a progressive uh, feminist yeah. t- um, uh, tale that I think they were not like they were not inventing that they didn't like uh, bolt that on it was uh, part of the original story they chose to make the whole thing about that which is i mean like i thought the dialogue in the the new um 2019 one mm-hmm. was really entertaining because it's just people having like uh twitter arguments um <laughs> or like twitter style like discoursey arguments commentary that the, the um, teacher uh, is just like the most toxic male you know um person that you could you could imagine like very very like blunt wait the teacher's the killer the teacher is the leader of this cult basically like Ah. they basically turn a frat um house into a black magic cult so it's not like one killer it's a whole army of anyone that pledges becomes zombified like and and exhibits the worst like toxic male traits probably undermines oh. some of the messaging because they're literally brainwashed but <laughs> i think like they are uh, intentionally conflating kind of like the worst mm-hmm. aspects of frat culture with gotcha. um with you know what happens in <laughs> a slasher movie there's one uh musical performance that I want to play where they do a mean girl style, like they're dressed oh. in naughty Santa outfits and, and they're performing this at the, a frat house Christmas party. <laughs> and it, this is their way of kind of like ho, getting ho, back ho. at them. I didn't know. Yes. Up in the frat house. One true fact. <laughs> and that is that I got attacked up in the frat house. Shit went down. And I'm telling everyone in town I didn't leave you on for goodness sake I couldn't have cause I wasn't awake Ho ho ho, I didn't know Ho ho ho, I didn't know Yes, up in the frat house Click, click, click 
What you guys do in here is sick. Yeah. All right. Okay. So it it goes on uh, like that, and the crowd is is cheering, and the person who assaulted like um, uh, there's no there's no real denying that the one of the main characters was assaulted by this this frat guy three years mm-hmm. before the movie takes place, and he's back in town visiting. Basically, when she reported it, they just ignored her report, mm-hmm. and there were no gotcha. um, it was a he said she said scenario, and and they believed him, and there was no literally no repercussions for him and now you know three years later basically um it's it's so ridiculous i was telling you a little while ago like it would maybe be on the level it might get shot down in a riverdale story pitch meeting Mm -hmm. or it might be (laughs) the the (laughs) level of plot that you would see on a show like that where Mm -hmm. the bust of one of their um patriarchs or you know um, male figureheads at the hawthorne college mm-hmm. um, gets taken down because of a petition by the the feminist um, leaders at the school and then when they move it to the frat house it starts oozing black goo that turns them that gives them the power to like um hypnotize the rest of the, the pledges yeah and then okay. wow. anyone who opposes their male um dominant views basically mm-hmm. they sick these um brainwashed frat dudes on them to frat zombies yeah it's it's insane um the dialogue <laughs> is is like i wanted to play that song because that kind of sums up the subtlety or lack thereof of yeah. <laughs> the discourse in the movie but i i thought that was a huge um uh strength of of the new movie it definitely doesn't work in a lot of ways as a horror movie but as kind of a, a very recent time capsule of, so there um, isn't a serial killer or it's just no like i mean people are getting killed in the house there's a lot of like similar um uh similar scenes like there's a mm-hmm. cat that someone's looking for and then someone pops out of another door and strangles them there's people gotcha. there's a killer in the attic but there's also killers everywhere um, everywhere yeah by the end of the movie like they kill it it, it the climax kind of works like they kill one they don't realize there's like dozens more mm-hmm. and eventually they have to smash the bust to, oh, to, to break the to spell it's literally the, like a spell yeah. okay so huh. All right. well. <laughs> yeah it's it's a it's a wild it's a wild ride i mean i don't know if you need to complete the the journey or not it, i wish I i'd would watch say, that one instead of the one i want the 2006 one but yeah it has way now. more way more redeeming qualities in my in my opinion i think the other one is like a pretty um vol- like uh trashy movie yeah. in mm-hmm. in every respect and this one is going for something really interesting and you know uh, achieving mixed results yeah that's a good term though it was like trashy horror i did not like it so yeah all right well anything else to say for now about black christmas before we uh take a little break the first one's great. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm really glad you liked it. It's going to be the last straight up horror movie we watch for Killer Christmas. We have one no. more episode in the series, but this is going to be, I think this was a perfect place to leave off on that. I mean, it does have die in the title. It does. Yeah. <laughs> that will be killing in our final episode of the miniseries, but not so much horror. 
anyway, let's go. Um, let's move on to rank the blank, where we pick a topic inspired by the week's movie and rank our personal favorites. We also like to drum up some very high paying, lucrative sponsorships. Ooh. So let's see who we have as a sponsor for rank the blank this week. Hi, how are you again? I have some last-minute gift problems. Don't worry. Hickory Farms has over 100 gift packs. Yeah. Gifts with mild cheddar cheese, smoky bar cheese. We are the super cheese market. Uh, yes, and Hickory Farms specialties like beef stick and sweet hot mustard. Oh, look, I'll just put myself in your hand. Okay. Let's see. It's 14 L's. Mm-hmm. How many reindeer? Well, they're a dancer, a dancer, a Super cheese market. Super cheese I just remember the Hickory Farms like sausages and stuff. I don't remember the cheese. Yeah. I guess it was everything. Every year, our parents would get me, uh, maybe you too, the Hickory Farm summer sausage. But yeah, you're right. It wasn't like the the gift pack with other stuff. It was just that very distinctive um, warm room temperature sausage. Um, It was in your stocking, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I love that stuff. Um, I might get some this year. Yeah, it sounds pretty good. Thank you, Hickory Farms, for sponsoring Rank the Blank this week. We are going to be ranking something pretty broad, um, but in the spirit of the Christmas miniseries um, and potentially showcasing other genres of Christmas movies since we're so focused on horror so far, um, I kind of just wanted to talk through the different categories um, or genres of Christmas movie and rank like what we enjoy the most um the volume of horror movies we're talking about would suggest that that's the answer but we (laughs) we will talk through the other options and see if that's where we land so ashley do you want to give us some broad uh categories here sure so obviously horror which we've been doing um then there's like the family style which is like home alone elf christmas vacation christmas story adult comedy harold and kumar the night before the animated Rudolph Frosty Grinch Nightmare Before Christmas dramas like Scrooge, It's a Wonderful Life, Carol. Then there's those rom-coms, Family Stone, Happiest Season, Love Actually. And then the action movies like Violent Night, Die Hard, and Batman Returns. Yeah. And this isn't like a comprehensive list or, uh, you know, necessarily. I'm sure there's some stuff we left out that's really important from each of these buckets. But I think you get the idea that these are um like I, I don't even know if we categorized all the genres perfectly like family versus yeah. versus uh, I, I originally had like comedy family comedy adult comedy mm-hmm. but so you know home alone or christmas story you could call it a comedy but yeah. i'm calling it family for the purposes of this so you also yeah. left out the holiday and rom-com just saying Right, exactly. There's a, probably <laughs> okay. Wh- why don't we start there with like, what do you? What's the one you watch the most? Do you think? Um, like well, you could say the year... one that has the most, yeah, has the most in it, and I might say rom com for that. But like, yeah, what do you? Rom com is probably the one I watch the most as well. So. Yeah. Okay. Um, they're just feel good movies, and the ones you want to watch during the Christmas, they make you tear up a little bit towards the climax, and then you're feel good afterwards. You're like, oh, that was nice. So. I like rom-coms the best. Judging by the Hallmark channel and um, the number of movies that come out every year, I think this year they released like um, 28 original ones and there's something like 200 new Christmas movies um, this year. 
alone. And I would say the bulk of those are going to be rom-coms for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, or like it's some mix of drama, whatever you want to say, but romance is a key ingredient in Christmas movies. Typically but for me, I mean, my favorite Christmas movie is gremlins. So that falls, <laughs> I think mostly horror. in the horror category. Yeah. yeah. Um, there's, we've talked about both home alone movies on the podcast. I mean, like family Christmas movies like that are definitely have a soft spot, you know, even uh, like something like Christmas story, people watch, um, 24 hours in a row mm-hmm. every year. Um, it's tough. I'm going to say, you know, action, we watch violent night. Um, so and then good. of course there's another one we'll talk about next week, mm-hmm. but that one's pretty scant in terms of the options so maybe the last we can... action hero or whatever what was like the arnold schwarzenegger one yeah well so every shane black movie the writer of um lethal weapon and mm-hmm. kiss kiss bang bang and the nice guys and um i don't know if he did he write last action hero um every one of those movies is set at christmas iron man mm-hmm. 3 <laughs> oh really <laughs> so yeah yeah he just sets every movie that he writes at christmas Oh, okay. uh, so that gives us some extra options, but I guess we'll pick, um, we'll pick like three. What what do we want to roll out? Adult comedy. Yeah, I I couldn't. Was there any obvious ones I was missing aside from Kumar? I don't really know a lot before? of them. Oh, Bad Santa. Oh yeah, that's well, a that's good a good one. one but <laughs> I think that's fair. I mean, is adult comedy what you're? I mean, I know we've we're talking about horror movies nonstop, um, which is perverted. But like adult comedy is a pretty um, difficult tone to pull off. I'm not going to be watching like a ton of those every every year. I don't feel like. Yeah. And drama. I don't watch any of those. So I'm probably. Yeah. I could. Well, wonderful. It's a wonderful life. Classic. The apartment. Scrooged. Um, and I love this newer movie with uh, Kate Blanchett and Rooney Mara called Carol. Uh, oh. But I'm I'm totally fine. Um, is, that they, is that the one where they fall in love? Yeah, yeah, it's another. Okay. It's like set in the sixties um, ish, and so really a, a lesbian a love story that is uh, in a time period where it's very um, not accepted. Yeah. yeah, but we'll cross it. What about animated? Now that we're adults, yeah, I don't really watch that. I also added musical because there's like mu- there's like um, Christmas musicals, but I'm I don't want that either. So. Okay. No. Unadd it. <laughs> Did you watch Spirited, the new Feral? Yeah, half of it. It's terrible. I hated it. Okay. Okay. So. <laughs> All the more reason to cross that one off. Yeah. Uh, I like an- you- I like the the animated ones as like nostalgic um, mm-hmm. journeys, quick nostalgic journeys. But I don't have strong feelings about them. Did you watch? Did you watch the new no, musical? I didn't. Okay. It didn't don't watch seem. It. It's bad. Yeah, didn't seem quite like my my tone. Yeah. Okay, we're down to horror, family, rom-com, and action. Let's cross off action. Is okay. that okay? Yeah, that's fine. Yeah. Um, I just think like it's there's too much overlap with horror, especially with something like Violent Night. So mm-hmm. it's gonna and if I'm gonna pick a, something and that's kind of a comedy too. So yeah, if I'm gonna pick something that's like very much like a, a fringe genre, it's not gonna be action. It's gonna be horror. So yeah. now we have the heavy hitters. Um, horror family and rom-com 
Uh, well, let's just pit the hardest ones to just to, to differentiate <laughs> against each other: horror versus rom com. You said going into this month in this mini series, <laughs> you probably didn't watch a ton of horror movies <laughs> around Christmas. No, well, there weren't a lot that existed. So there are, but it's the yeah, they're not, they're not the like most popular. They're not the popular. Common. Yeah. No. So I mean, I'm still with rom com just because that's you know something I look forward to. So Anything we're missing? Christmas. I mean, obviously we're missing a million things, but the holiday yeah. is your go-to. What else? What else? I mean, I love Love Actually. I think everyone does. So, yep. I'm trying to think of other ones that I've watched recently, but it's really just been a lot of horror. So, <laughs> I haven't watched any rom-coms this month. Did you see The Happiest Season? I put that one on there because that's no. that's a newer one. It came out on Hulu like uh, 2020. It's oh. um, Kristen Stewart and Mackenzie Davis, another um, <gasps> Wait, lesbian romance. Yeah. It's really, it's very good. I like Kristen Stewart. I know she gets a lot of crap, but I like her. Yeah. Oh, and Dan Levy, Allison Brie. Yeah, I did watch that um, when it first came out. That was good. I forgot. I, 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 I think I'm with you on rom com. The only problem is just I don't. Well, so okay, let's if, if we're not talking about the best of the best, mm-hmm. or even the like top tier, which one is do you get more enjoyment out of like the middle tier? Like, can you watch a bad to okay rom-com set at christmas and still enjoy it same for horror or like do you have a preference there if it's not like good i don't have a preference for rom-coms because even like the ones that are just rolled out within like two months on netflix i'll just put them on and fall asleep to them okay and if they're good i'll stay awake so it doesn't matter (laughs) well that's what i mean you can find comfort because i feel like there's a lot there's a lot more and there's a lot more bad ones i mean there's plenty of bad christmas horror movies don't get me wrong yeah (laughs) but um (laughs) I think I would say the opposite or like oh. the bad. I don't know. It's not, that's not really true. I mean, I can, I think I like mediocre Christmas horror more than you, but I also mm-hmm. like mediocre rom-com a lot as well. I just think that there's so many that I'm not going to be able to watch a lot of the really bad ones. And I haven't happiest season is the last new really good one that i can remember i watched um love hard and it was really good did you watch that like i did it's with um nina dobrev and she's like catfished yep 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 jamie i watched that okay there's like a couple good ones i watched holiday with emma roberts (laughs) that was good I don't know. I think it's easier to make like a decent rom-com than a decent horror movie. So you're right. You're right. A lot easier. Um, Okay. (laughs) I think rom-com is going to take it. Is there anything, uh, has there been a 2022 breakout one? You watch any new ones this year? I haven't. You're too busy with (laughs) (laughs) Christmas. Just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah. I haven't watched any this year. Yeah. I don't, I've been keeping my eye on the new releases maybe i missed something but i haven't seen one that's been kind of like a breakout or even like a um love hard level Mm -hmm. um there was even like this movie called let it snow a couple years ago that pretty terrible like teen um dramedy but uh, on netflix and i was i totally enjoyed that one so the Lindsay lohan falling for christmas movie came out this year that might have been the buzziest one actually Mm -hmm. and i didn't see it but i heard um i don't know i heard okay things from other people yeah (laughs) that's that's which is fine it's a rom-com 
All right. Well, so rom-coms won, but now horror or family. So like Home Alone, <laughs> Elf, Christmas Vacation, not my not my bag, but Christmas Story. I mean, that's I feel like that's pretty stiff competition for for horror. But I like the horror that I saw this year. So I think that horror actually wins for me because I don't go I don't watch a Christmas movie every year. The same one. I don't have any like cadence towards that. I don't really like Elf and Christmas Vacations. Okay. I don't know. I just yeah. Okay, if you don't love it, like Elf is definitely the modern classic in the sense of people watch that um, Mm -hmm. every year. And it's it's fine. I just never really got into it. Okay, fair enough. Um, I mean, you don't have to you don't have to twist my arm. (laughs) (laughs) So we got rom com one, horror two, and and family third. I think that's (laughs) perfect. I knew it was going to be a tough a tough battle between the top two. And I'm totally, if if I'm being honest with with myself, I'm totally. Okay. I like horror movies year round. Yeah, yeah. Right. <laughs> and rom coms, unfortunately, uh, there's plenty that come out around, uh, like throughout the year, but the ones that like you can count on every year, uh, just to be entertained by and to. Um, have something comforting to put on seem to be focused around this time of year. Yep. All right. Well, thank you, Hickory farms for <laughs> uh, sponsoring <laughs> rank the blank this week. Be sure to put that summer sausage in all of your stockings this year. Now back to our feature presentation. All right, we really had to um, dig up some microfiche and go um, digging for um, information on this 1974 release of Black Christmas. But did you figure out if people liked it at the time? Controversial, well uh, received. Anyone see I it? I mean, and yeah, I mean, people like it nowadays. Do you have a review or anything of it? Not really. I mean, I think I linked to some, but I don't know if there's any if there's any information from from the time or not. No, I couldn't really find anything. But um, it did rank higher than the other two by far. So, yeah. Okay. I mean, I, I have a little bit of like just box office release info. Mm-hmm. It did premiere um, at. Christmas time in uh, December twentieth, nineteen seventy four. It was a um, that's in America. This was a Canadian production. Bob Clark, oh. the director, is is Canadian. Died in, I think he died a year after the remake was made, and he was actually sort of involved, but again, there was a lot of interference. So um, he didn't direct it, but he was a producer on the two thousand six one, and then I think he passed away in two thousand seven. Um, I think this movie was a source of controversy. It was um, the third highest grossing Canadian film at the okay. time that it came out. Um, so that's something. And then its budget was six six 600000 So the fact that it, it would end up making $400 million, um internationally Whoa. in total means, yeah, it was actually a pretty big hit. Yeah. 
holy it, cow, that's so much money. <laughs> there was the 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 certain words were edited out of the <laughs> the phone call scenes. Um, there's one uh, trigger word that gets said a bunch in the first in the first call. It's not really a um, it's just a vulgar c word. Tuesday. Yeah, um, it's not really a word that's like um, racially or sexually charged in any way. It's just like a, a, I guess, a word that we don't we don't say. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, it was um, it was like kind of a novelty for audience members, I guess, and the fact that that people that it was set at Christmas and that it was like expanding on the the genre for sure so some people some people definitely recognize that at the time and others would um discover it later and it would for sure develop enough of a cult following to have two remakes made so would you consider that a new release or old news (laughs) i mean just the first one yeah it's we're talking about the first one I, i guess the way we can use this this topic on for this discussion is just like which one would we recommend like you have the option to watch all three in present day um i would start yeah obviously start with the first one and then if you're curious um give the 2019 one if you're if you're a hardcore horror fan you've definitely heard about the the 2019 one coming out but you might have been turned off by the um the discourse around it and and um i think i think it's i think it's quite interesting although it's not satisfying as like a uh horror slasher like because slasher. one yeah it's pg-13 and, and the plot is just nonsensical but the dialogue <laughs> is interesting <laughs> or you could like watch like psycho gorman or something instead yes always that's always a good option <laughs> <laughs> Um, okay, so on a scale of one to eight plus Rudolph, how <laughs> one to eight, sorry, Pain Deer, um, how naughty is Black Christmas, the original? I don't want to rate the other ones too, unless you want to rate all three. No, we have to go back and do Deadly Games because we didn't have our scale oh, yet. Yeah. So what do we think for Deadly Games? So far, Violent Night got a seven Pain Deer. Mm-hmm. Christmas Bloody Christmas got a six Pain Deer. Um, <laughs> what, do, what does Deadly Games get? Less or more than those? Probably less. less. Yeah, like a four. Yeah, it's not that naughty. I mean, well, God, it kind of is. Oh, that guy's kind of, that guy is really, really sick. Creepy. Yeah. yeah, I'm gonna go six. Yeah, six is fine. Okay, so this one, it's pretty damn naughty. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> we have the phone calls. The phone calls alone are like pretty high yeah. ranking. Um, I just really like this movie. And it also creeped me out the most. So if that counts for anything. It definitely does. I mean, I think that's the the just like authentic naughtiness is what comes through and not knowing yeah. exactly what is wrong with the disturbed um killer in the movie makes it all the scarier. So I think we can go eight. Um I'm gonna we can eight. reserve we can reserve Rudolph. Um, Rudolph for our final movie of the series if it earns it. Um, yep. I'm with you. We don't need to. We don't need to rank the other ones. They're both. They're both lower. Yeah. Than the '74 one. Yep. Okay. Perfect. Black Christmas 1974 with eight. Pain Deer. Okay. Now right. we need. So, so now, what do we want to include from this movie into our new release gift shop to sell for 
minor profit. Um, right now we have a dial code, <laughs> the release hotline. Fortunately, we already have a phone. <laughs> oh yeah, that's true. <laughs> but the phone calls me different. I don't know. Um, with the virtual app, we have homemade cookies from kids and robot acts. So. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we could. Well, we have. Is this an eight hundred number for the current one, and we could have a nine hundred number? Sure. <laughs> um, or or what else? Any anything else? Um, a rocking chair. Yeah, there is a lovely rocking chair featured in this. There's the um, if you're looking for a place to store your um, pints of of uh, schnapps. Oh. Oh, you can yeah. put them in your toilet with a handy um, toilet plunger. Or in the book. Uh, yeah, that's right. The house mother has booze hidden all over the, <laughs> the house. The other the other place where this movie is progressive is just like they don't um, disguise the fact that the women are progressive um, and awesome. yeah, like into into sex for one. Barbara mm-hmm. is the most like over the top about it, but they have. Um, they have kind of like crude posters up on the walls and all the stuff that like um, really offends the character. Unfortunately, who's dead, um, her dad, when he comes in, he's like <laughs> very disturbed by what he sees. But this is like um, they didn't about, try to make them saints. What about mystery posters, like crude posters, like the one that was on her door that she was holding her hand above to like yeah. say, so her dad wouldn't see? Okay. Like so that. sexy mystery posters. Yeah. Or Since yeah, you like, have, like a how call about, in. Why don't we just say they might be sexy, but their their new release dorm room posters, posters or dorm room, dorm um, sorority house, frat house, whatever kind of situation you live in, these posters will really cause a stir perfect. <laughs> when you hang them and you have parents <laughs> weekend. Yes, yes, perfect. I like that a lot. Okay, weird posters, uh, weird dorm posters. All right, so what are we going to watch next week? Yeah, sadly, next week is the last episode in our Killer Ew. Christmas miniseries, episode number four. We did a double feature. We did a triple feature. Um, and now we're doing something a little different. So I'll I'll queue up the preview real quick and see if this rings a bell. <laughs> this summer, take the ride of your life. Dodge bullets. Leap from skyscrapers and survive 127 blazing minutes of non-stop excitement. Welcome to the party! All in 70mm six-track Dolby stereo oh. that will blow you through the back wall of the theater. Wow. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Die Hard. Rated R. Exclusive engagement begins Friday, July 15th in selected cities. Okay, so answer quite carefully uh, before we go here. Um, since you won't unfortunately be on the episode next week, yes, we'll have a special a guest. Movie. Is that what okay. you're asking me? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There's there's no there is no disputing that. Um our number one diehard fan and favorite podcast guest will be on next week Woo-woo. to discuss her favorite Christmas movie of all time. Um we already did Die Hard Two on the podcast, so we're going back to Die Hard One, but that's gonna be exciting. We probably won't have that debate ashley just summed it up very efficiently <laughs> so there you go a perfect christmas movie to christmas end to die for killer christmas yes would be die hard <laughs> ashley um 
you can tell your friends to subscribe to the podcast by searching new release on Apple or Spotify or anywhere else you find fine podcasts. That's a, oh, Ashley. That's an end to murder Christmas. Wait, what did you just say? So that's an end to murder Christmas. (laughs) Into, I don't even know what you it's an end to murder Christmas. Oh, end. Like it's a I like that you're saying like intramural. It's an intramural Christmas. <laughs> I've got the composer handy here. Carl Zithra. That's what I was going to guess. Of course. <laughs> Santa Claus getting all like the kid getting drunk and all that stuff. That seems really funny. Oh, that's true. 